0: Hey everybody, welcome to New Life. Welcome to New Life. If you guys would find a seat, that would be great. I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us in our main auditorium today. Um, I also want to say a big hello to everyone worshiping down in the venue as well as those that are with us out in North Platte. It's such a privilege to have you guys here with us. So, hey, listen, I just need to know right now how many of you guys are excited to be a church worshiping Jesus today? Come on, let me hear you. Okay, good. I think the majority, the majority are there. That's all right. Um, I know that we have a unique thing at New Life. We are a church that is, um, it's highly attractive to people that are seeking God. They're exploring God. They're wondering, you know, what it would be like to have a relationship with God. But right now you're just questioning faith. I just want you to know if that's you today, whether you're in one of our auditoriums or you're listening online, uh, you are in a safe place today. In fact, today is probably going to be a great message for you. Uh, It's going to help you put some pieces of the puzzle together when it comes to who Jesus is. Hey, we're in our current teaching series entitled Apostles Creed, and uh, last week we kind of talked about two critical things. Uh, We talked about we have an amazing, almighty Father. Not just a Father, Father God, but we have an almighty Father God. Um, And we even talked about the second component, which was that he is the creator of all things. The Creed says he's the creator of heaven and of earth. And so we were talking about those two critical things about God, the Father. Um, But this week, we're going to be taking it even farther. Uh, But before we do that, I just want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. The Creed, the Apostles' Creed, uh, was created by the early church. Um, It was formed over a couple of hundred years, and in its formation, the whole desire of it was to create a template by which we could disciple people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That would basically be in their language. We wanted to create something that listed the doctrines of Christianity so that we had a template that we could train people all around the known world in what it would be like if they were to choose to become a follower of Jesus. But here's something really important to know about the creed. It wasn't the ending of learning. It was the beginning of learning. So in many ways, the creed is like a framework that you can search the Bible through In fact, I even go as far as to say this to you, that the statements in the Creed are like windows that you can look at and then you can dive into God's Word and you can study more about Him. As an example, when the Creed says that He's Almighty Father, you can take that statement and like a window, <clears throat> look into the Bible and find out what does the Bible say about that? Or that he's a creator of heaven and earth. What does the Bible say about it? Because creation and the attitude of a creative God is not just found in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. You know, it's found, in, it's found throughout the Bible. And today, again, what we're going to talk about with what, where the creed you know, continues is going to be one of those kind of windows that you can keep looking at the depth of who God is. So today we're going to use the creed as a, as a guide, if you will. Um, it's going to kind of be a compass. It's going to point us in a direction. But we're not going to study the creed. We're going to do what the creed was created for, to study God. And to study God in today's world versus when it was written, we have a Bible now. And we've got a, a Bible that's got you know a, all the accounts of, of God's Word in it uh, from the beginning to the end. And now we we can explore God through his word. And so we're going to use the creed to point us in that direction. So here's where we're going to go today as we add on to what we had last week. Last week, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. This week, we're going to go to, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Now, for some of you, when you just heard that, in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, you're like, seriously, Jeff? Like, if you would have told us this, I already know this one. I could have taken this Sunday off. You're not going to be doing something else. But here's what you need to know today. Although it sounds basic, it's not basic at all. In fact, what we're getting ready to discuss is the crux of Christianity. We're getting ready to discuss the center, foundational stone. And without these components of this conversation, you don't have Christianity. So, whether you are a person that's followed christ for 20 years or 40 years or you're someone that's been exploring god for two weeks you need to know today this message it's going to hit home for all of you in fact today i kind of clarified for myself and i want to pass it on to you what would be a win in today's message how would we know that today wasn't a waste of our time but today was a a maximizing of our time and i wrote down three simple things Today, today will be a win if you guys, you walk away, and myself, we walk away with an increased conviction and passion for Jesus Christ. If, if we have an increased conviction and passion for him at the end of today, it's a win. All right? we'll all, it will also be a win if you have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. So if you're, just your, your knowledge, both head and heart, go deeper, that's going to be a win. Lastly, today will be a win if if you can tell others with confidence who Jesus really is. Who Jesus really is. That means you have to really know who Jesus is to really communicate who he is. And in this world, we have some unique things that take place because of relationships, the dynamics of relationships, where you you know a person from a distance, you know them from a surface perspective, and you prejudge who you think they really are. (laughs) I know, some of you, some of you, you, do it, you do it more than others. Others of you say, I would never do that. But we all do it, all right? We all have this thing inside of us that we look at somebody and we start to kind of write their story before we ever know their story. Have you ever had one of those moments where you thought you knew somebody, but as you got closer to them, then you started building a relationship with them, and the relationship went deeper in the friendship and the devotion with one another, that all of a sudden you came to value and appreciate this person in a new, fresh way that you, you could never have done from a surface? Of course you have. Because that's called relationships. Relationships and because of that and because of the fact that we are sinful beings that live on a planet that is a, it's got a sin, you know, permeating it, then as we as we got closer and closer to some people, then we ended up getting wounded and hurt. And I'm sorry that you know when I bring this topic up, for some of you you go to the wound and to the hurt. But at the same time, for many of you that are here, you are reflecting back on a relationship that you have with someone that is just a devoted relationship to one another. It is a bond that you have with this other person that is a deep, valued relationship that's beyond the surface because you've really gotten to know them. And that relationship, it means a lot to you today. Here, when it comes to Jesus, I'm afraid that a lot of Christians only know Jesus on the surface. But they don't really know the true person and work of Jesus at a depth. They can tell you some nice biblical stories about Jesus. They can say that Jesus died on the cross. They can say that Jesus rose again. They question whether they even believe some of those components. But they they can't really go beyond that. It's just this surface uh, kind of understanding of who Jesus is. I'm gonna tell you today, as you dig deeper into who Jesus is, then you begin to really know who God is that's the unique thing about Jesus is that when you pull back the veil and you decide I'm going to go beyond the surface and dig deep into who Jesus is all of a sudden you start to see who God is Jesus is God his very character and and his nature are the very character and the nature of God his compassion the way that he loves his devotion the way he is faithful to his word All of the components, and there's so many, it's vast. You can study Jesus for a lifetime and continue to discover new things about who God is. So, since that's the case, I'm going to go and make a bold statement to you today. At the depth, at the depth that you know Jesus is the depth of your Christianity. Now, the sad part is churches all across America and around the world are full of people that have a shallow understanding of who Jesus is. And you can know a lot about the Bible, guys. You can have a lot of knowledge about the Bible, but to the depth that you know Jesus is the depth of your own Christianity. And so today, as we pull back the veil on this creed, we're gonna let it point us into Scripture to really discover a brand new depth of who Jesus is. In the creed, they said these words, I believe in Jesus Christ. Let's start right there. Let's start with his name. Everybody's been given a name. On three, I just want you to shout out the first name that you were given by parents that love you on three. Ready, one, two, three. Okay, About in our main auditorium, about half of you did it. The other half of you are sitting there like, what's the catch? There's no catch. There's no catch. Be be proud of your name. Come on, it's your name. All right? I mean, the very first person on this earth was given his name. The guy, all right, the man, the very first man on this earth was given the name of? Okay, man, that's pretty good biblical knowledge. You can pat yourself on the back. Let's still, let's, let's go with the hard one though. All right, the very first woman on this earth was given the name? You guys are such a smart congregation. That is awesome. Awesome. In America, we give names, everyone has one, and we typically give names in three parts you've got the first, you've got the middle, and you have the last. And right? Everybody knows the first, few people know the last, but many of you don't want anybody to know the middle. Why is that? Why does the middle get like overlooked? It's because the middle, we were tainted with that one, right? That when your full name was given and the middle name was used, there was normally something following it. A hand, a belt, something. Something was following that. Jeffrey, Scott Baker, get back. Right? It's like going for the rear right now. I'm going to get a spanking. So every time the, the three were given there was punishment that came on the backside of that, and that was no pun, Um, or maybe it was. For you that appreciate that kind of humor, um, for you that didn't get it, uh, ask the person next to you. So here's what I want you to do. You you have three, you've got three names, and most people probably don't know your middle name, so two people around you, really quickly, I want you to tell them your middle name. Just go ahead, really fast, just tell them your middle name. (laughs) Tell them your middle name. Okay, all right, very good, very good. So to be fair with this whole thing, why is the middle name so funny, by the way? I don't understand why. You guys are sharing this, and people are laughing with one another. Um, Okay, so here's my name. My name is Jeffrey Scott Baker. There you go. It wowed you, didn't it? It was like, whoo! wow, it was crazy. That's that's his full name. That's my name, Jeffrey Scott Baker. My parents gave it to me. Don't wear it out. That was, that was kind of junior high school I apologize for that. In some other cultures, you're given four names, right? You're given four names. Um, and so I'm just thankful that you know I was born here. I only have three. I can spell the three I got. I'm good to go, right? I'm clear with that. Don't, I don't need four more. So what do we know about the name of Jesus? I can tell you right off the bat, right off the bat, a few things about the name of Jesus. First off, Christ is not his last name. Now for some of you, you've got to go, ha that, that was funny. But when we only search Jesus at the surface level, then there's a lot of people that believe Christ is his last name. Christ is not his last name. And we're going to talk about Christ in just a minute. Jesus. Historically, you know, we know this about, uh, about history and about the times of which that Jesus would, you know, have walked the earth, that lineage and place of birth was important. And so people may have often referred to themselves as, like for me as an example, Jeff of St. Louis, son of Joe. Um, and that, that kind of statement might be made to identify who I am. So for Jesus, it, he could have easily have been referred to as Yahshua of Nazareth, son of Yosef. Or shortened up, it would have been Yahshua ben Yosef, Jesus, son of Joseph. And this was the name okay? Everybody's given a name on this earth. Jesus is given a name. That's his name. The Bible says something about the name of Jesus. In fact, it says a lot about the name of Jesus. Let me just kind of tap on it for a second. Here's, what it, here's one of the verses, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. We're going to come back and read this later on as well. So just kind of glean, glean it for a moment. It says, therefore God elevated him, who's him? Jesus, right? Elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above, what names? All names. That at the name of who? Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now, here's the interesting thing. Do You think that Jesus, at the time that he walked the earth, was the only young man walking the earth with the name Jesus? Or do you think maybe other people had the same name Jesus. If you said yes, or you're afraid to answer because you don't wanna be wrong, um, yes would be the proper term. There were others named Jesus. Do you guys know anybody that's on the earth today that has the name Jesus? If you've got connections with more of a Hispanic, Latin American, uh, Mexican culture, then you're going to run into a person that uses the name Jesus. So what is it about this scripture that says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess? What is it about it? And I'm going to say to you that in the New Testament, after the death, burial, resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus, that he sits at the right hand of the Father, that the use of the name Jesus is synonymous with his title as well. See, when we use the word Christ, Christ wasn't his last name, Christ was his title. And literally, we could say it this way, Jesus the Christ. What makes the name Jesus the name that everybody's going to bow down to and everybody's going to humble themselves and confess that he is Lord is because Jesus, the Jesus, who gave his life on the cross, who came and suffered and died for the, for the sins of humanity, was and is the Christ, meaning he is the Messiah, that from the beginning of time all the way till now, Jesus has been the Christ, the Messiah, Messiah being the anointed, the anointed one sent by God with the mission to rectify the sins of humanity so that we might be able to have relationship with God again. Jesus, the Christ. It's the title, Christ backed with it all, that makes Jesus have the authority that we all, every single person, is going to bow down and confess that he is king of kings and lord of lords. It's the title, Jesus, the Christ. So when you read and you see things about Jesus in the New Testament after his resurrection, when it just says Jesus, you need to know something, it's not just using a common name. We're referring to Jesus. The son of God, God himself, the Messiah who came. And as Messiah, Jesus has three key components. He's both prophet, priest, and king. As Jesus the Christ, he's prophet. He speaks to man and he represents God to man. But he's also the priest. He's the bridgeway between man and God. Jesus creates the two-way street between man and God of God's voice and God's presence and the very character and the nature of God being revealed to man, but he also becomes the bridge that allows man to have relationship with God because of what he did through his sinless life and his death and his resurrection. But then Jesus also has this third title as king. He's the ruling king. He sits at the right hand of the Father right now. Everything that is belongs to him. Everyone who has been and is breathing now and will be born in the future belongs to him. Everything was created by him and everything was created for him. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. It's what sets him apart. It's what makes him unique. It's what causes him to be the one, the name above every other name. So when you hear the name Jesus, that someone else has that name, we're not bowing down to that person. I know that that's clear. I know you got that, but you just need to know why are we going to bow down to Jesus? We're going to bow down to him first and foremost because he's the Christ, but that's not the only reason. So Jesus, he asked his disciples this question in Matthew chapter 16, and he said, guys, who do people say that the son of man is? Now, the son of man, if you kind of get caught up on that, In Daniel chapter 7, there's a prophecy given about the Christ, the Messiah, who will be coming, and the title that was given to him was the Son of Man. Jesus is referring back to that Old Testament prophecy that people would have known about, and he's saying, I am he, I'm the Messiah, I am the Christ. Who do people say that I am? Well, the disciples replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or or maybe one of the other prophets. And then he says this to them, okay, all right, but who do you say I am? You guys are the ones that are closest to me. Who do you say I am? And then Simon Peter opens his mouth and he says, you are the what? You are the son of the living God. Jesus went on to affirm that. He said, man, that's so right. In fact, you can't just figure that out on your own, Simon Peter. That is a revelation that comes from the very Spirit of God. Today, if Jesus, if he's your Lord and he's your leader, you're not smart enough to figure that out by yourself. The Holy Spirit was literally drawing you to Jesus. And you opened up your eyes and you said yes to him. God's still drawing people today. And those of you that are questioning you know, who God is, who Jesus is, you need to know something. The Holy Spirit's drawing you today into relationship with him. So the early church was protecting the identity of Jesus with the connected title, the supreme title of Christ. And the early church, they didn't want people to ever forget that Jesus was the anointed one sent by God. Therefore, it's, I believe, in jesus christ i would challenge you to say i believe in jesus the christ because that's who he is so this thing has great significance for you this understanding has incredible significance for your personal life first off you can repent and have sins forgiven in jesus name why because of just the name or the title because of the title Sins can be forgiven because Jesus is the Christ. You can walk in authority over sin and be free from the temptation of certain sins that keep tripping you up and causing you to fall flat on your face through the power of Jesus' name. Then not only can you be forgiven of sins, but you you can literally stand strong in Jesus' name and flee and push back temptation. You don't have to keep falling into the same trap over and over again. Why? Because Jesus is the Christ. You can pray in Jesus name according to God's will and see miracles happen. Why? Because Jesus is the Christ. So you can trust God for the miraculous of healing. You can trust God for the miraculous, you know, of you know, certain provision and, you know, needs and the healing of relationships and the searching out the lost so that the lost might be found. I mean, the list goes on and on, but praying in faith that, that mountains can move only happens because Jesus is the Christ. Powerful truth. Powerful. Has to, you have to connect these two things together. Never disassociate those two ever again. But then the creed went on and said I believe that Jesus is the only son of God. The only son of God. This takes Jesus and puts him in a class all by himself. So when you take the concept of his title Christ and you connect that to the only son of God, now you set Jesus apart from all other gods. So the Muslims, the Muslims look at Jesus and they say he was only a what? A good prophet. That's what the Muslims say. He's only a good prophet, not the only son of God. The Buddhists who believe in Jesus in any kind of capacity at all um, would say that Jesus is only a good-hearted man. Jews, they look at Jesus and they believe that Jesus is only a teacher or a rabbi. The Mormons, they believe that Jesus has a second brother and that his name is Satan so that Jesus is now not the only son of God. So what sets Christians apart, what sets Christ followers apart, is that we follow the teachings found in John 3.16 as one of those teachings that says that for God so loved the world that he sent his what? His one and his only son. So we do believe what the creed says because the creed is saying what God's word says. That yes, Jesus is God's only son. He is his only son. And Jesus is given the title of son, which by the way, I'm just going to say this to you right now, that is a very unique title that is only given to one, only given to one. Here's what Hebrews has to say about that, which before we read it, let me just say this to you. If you want to know, if you want to dig the well a little deeper about who Jesus is, go back and read Hebrews chapter one. It will help you see a glimpse of Jesus much deeper than maybe what you've seen in quite a while. Here's what it says in verse three through five. It says, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, right? That's why when we look at Jesus, we see God. If you want to know, if you want to know who God is more, study who Jesus is because Jesus is God and he expresses the character of God and he sustains everything by his mighty power of his command. So when he... When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the the majestic God in heaven. Jesus did those things. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. Follow me, all right? His name is greater than their names. What was his name? Verse 5. For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. What did he say to Jesus? You are, you are my son. You are my son. Now, for some of you, you're sitting here and you're going, yeah, but doesn't the New Testament say that, you know, we are adopted as sons and daughters into relationship with God? Absolutely it does. In fact, we're going to talk about that more in a, in a few weeks coming up. But here's the difference. You're, we are adopted in as sons and daughters, because of what Jesus did. And if Jesus isn't the Christ, we don't get adopted in as sons and daughters of God. But Jesus, set apart from us much different than us, he is He is God, the Son. Way different. And because Jesus is God, the Son. Then the son defines him as a position in the trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to tell you right now that just because if a faith in God through Christ has allowed us to be adopted as sons and daughters of God does not mean that you or me will ever become another part of the trinity of the godhead. That's closed. It's a done deal. God has always been the Alpha, and he will always be the Omega, and he has always been God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and there aren't open seats waiting for you or me to live some perfect, righteous life and be able to sit on it. We're adopted in He is the only son. He was the only one given that title and that name. And no one else, it is what uniquely sets him apart. He stands alone all by himself. And you and me have the unique privilege of worshiping him and surrendering our lives to him and following him because he's authentically God, Jesus, the Christ, the only son. And because he is those things and the second person of the Trinity... Jesus becomes what the creed says, our Lord. He becomes our Lord. Our Lord. There's one thing to say I believe in Jesus. It's a much higher commitment to then call him Lord. The Greek word used in the New Testament for Lord is the word connected to the Old Testament in the Hebrew that's used to define Yahweh or Jehovah. Literally meaning that when Jesus is referred to as Lord, they're saying Jesus is the God. Jesus is the God that they talk about in the Old Testament. Jesus is the God who created all things. Jesus is the God who helps the Israelites get free you know, out of Egypt as God leads them through Through the Red Sea and leads them through the desert and provides for them and is a cloud by day and a fire by night. That when Jesus is Lord, they're referring all the way back and they're basically connecting it to the point that Jesus is the God. Jesus is God. When we say that Jesus is Lord, man, you're saying, Jesus, you're it, you're everything. That's why during the Emperor Nero of, that led Rome you know, back from like 54 to 68 A.D., when they were persecuting Christians back then, he, he had Christians impaled, impaled in his garden and would light them up and let them be lamps in his garden at night for one reason, because they wouldn't say that Caesar is Lord. Everything hinges right here. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. And I want to bring a serious point of clarity. Jesus is God who took on the nature of humanity. Not, and never demote him to be Jesus, to be a human who took on God's nature. Never do that. Be very careful, even in your own language in your own understanding, your own interpretation, that Jesus is God who took on human nature. Jesus is never the human who takes on God nature. As soon as you do that, as soon as you break that, then Jesus never can become Lord. Because we know something about human nature. Human nature is sinful. If Jesus starts out in the human sinful nature he never becomes Lord. But because he is God who takes on human nature, now Jesus lives sinless, perfect life, able to be the sacrificial lamb that the Bible talks about that hangs on a cross, gives his life, and because he is God, he rises again. Jesus is powerful. And that's why when we go back, and wrapping this up, go back to the scripture we started with in Philippians, let me just read it again and add verse 11 onto it because listen to what it says. It says that God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's the part we read. Here's what we didn't read. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why is that so important? Because you need to know today, every knee that's ever been created on any human is bowing down before Jesus and proclaiming, Jesus, you are the Christ, you are Lord. Every knee, every tongue that sits in a mouth, every mouth that's been created, that, that breathes today and that will ever breathe in the future, will open up its mouth and proclaim, Jesus, you are the Christ, you're the sent one, you're the Messiah. You are the perfect one, and you are Lord. Every mouth is going to do it. The question is whether you're going to do that under your own will today on this earth, or you'll do it in the future when you sit and you stand before and you kneel before Jesus, the judging Lord, and you do it out of his will. The secret is to come before him today out of your will out of the very lungs that God created, out of the very air that he put in those lungs, and to joyfully and with a worshipful heart declare, Jesus, you are the Christ, and without you I'm nothing. Jesus, you are Lord, you are God, and I choose to worship you today. Then the day that we all bow before him in that day of judgment isn't a day of fear. It's a day of joy. So, to prepare our hearts for worship today, we're going to quote and we're going to read together, state out loud, boldly, state out loud the Apostles' Creed together, to prepare to worship Jesus, the Christ, our risen Lord. And today, as we sing these songs, after we quote this creed, I just want you to, I want you to just give God all the passion that you can. I want you to take this maybe fresh understanding of who Jesus is and just go, it overwhelms me to worship you as God. I'm reminded one more time that you are the the second person of the Trinity and and I know you're God and I choose to worship you. Jesus, you are my Lord. I want to encourage you to do that today. Why don't you stand with me as we make this bold statement together. I believe in God. The Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we find it very unique and and as a privilege to come and to worship you, to even be in your presence. Your word says where two or more are gathered in the powerful name of Jesus, that you are here with us. Lord, we don't take that for granted. We don't want to play with that. Lord, we want to with reverence and with awe. Lord, stand here in your presence. We want to We want to just notify our own hearts as we want to proclaim to the world that you are the Christ and you are God. We choose to worship you this day. We choose to proclaim you as God, that you are Lord of Lords and you are King of Kings. As we come to worship you, we worship you with awe. We worship you with passion in our hearts. You bring life to me, you set me free. Without you, I'm nothing, Jesus. Without what you've done, Lord, I, I'm 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 going to amount to nothing. But because of you, God, how I can have relationship with you? This life doesn't end when my breath stops, but it only goes to the next phase eternity spent with you. So today on this earth, with this life you've given me, with this breath you've put inside of my lungs, I choose to praise you as King of kings and Lord of lords. I choose to pronounce to the world and to all those that stand here that Jesus, you are the Lord. You are the Christ. I give you my life. I give you my worship. Meet with us here in this place. As you meet with us in North Platte and down in the venue, may your presence be made known to us in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.